0: Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined as always by the Orlock to my Hannibal. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Nosferatu is a silent movie, so I'm holding up a cue card. Oh, okay. And our very own Buffalo Bill. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you
1: doing? Uh you say you're a size twelve. <laughs>
0: Was she like a hot. big fat lady?
2: Was she like a big fat lady?
0: All right, we just gonna get us off to a hot start. Here we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we needed we needed the laugh because I think that that stopped the, the the listener from crying. I think. my part. pappy always said, sometimes you gotta laugh so you don't cry. Mm-hmm. OK, uh, th- I think that this was easily like the t- one of the toughest ga- uh, losses I think we're going to have this season or last couple seasons. Total gut punch felt like at multiple times this game, it felt like we were in control or or, or at least going to get the win. And uh, multiple times just did not happen. And so uh, I want to go through a little bit chronologically uh, through the game because I think that that's a good approach. So uh, first half. Okay. I don't, I don't want to get, I want to get feelings. I want emotions. Okay. First half Seahawks um, look really good. Score 27 points, go into halftime up 27 to 17. Uh fact of the matter is when we're up by what a touchdown or more going into halftime, we never lose. Right. Yeah. So how, how confident are you at, at this point, right then at the end of the first half, how do you feel?
2: Eric, you want to
1: take this? Yeah, back? yeah. Sorry, I was waiting for the queue. Uh, you know, don't want to step on my bro's toes. Uh, uh c- full confidence, man. We had the lead at halftime Sunday night football on NBC. Come on. This it's a uh, worth <sighs> Wolf Grey in Arizona if if Satan himself comes out of the ocean and challenges me to a fight. They say, "Eric, what do you need to win?" Uh, the battles in Arizona, I'm going to say, just give me the Wolf Gray jersey and this knife, and I'm going to I'll take him out. And uh, and it, that's
0: that's how confident I was. Yeah, I mean, it, it it felt uh, it felt we felt like we were in a good position. I mean, it felt at that point like, OK, we got a lot of momentum. Yeah, they just got that field goal. But, you know, if we can come out of halftime and stop them from scoring, it, we're, we'll be completely fine. Kevin, well, how are you feeling?
2: Yeah, because the thing was, um there was the uh the resulting drive after the like inside the ten stop. So DK T one thousands uh Baker. And then you have the inside the the drive that starts on the six where the defense gets the stop, and the resulting drive is that hide uh touchdown run down the sideline mm-hmm. where he just Tip, doesn't get toes, tippy toes. Yeah. Yeah, dude, and Dwayne Brown with some mean blocking down there. And so then Seattle's up 20 to seven and you're like, oh man, that was pretty, but there's kind of some time left and there's four minutes. And when Kyler Murray went down the field, I was like, oh man, Kyler Murray just Russell Wilson does.
0: Yeah. They, they had like three consecutive plays there where it was like, oh my gosh, these throws, these guys are are way too open. And the one where the one, the, the touchdown where Shaquille Griffin just passed Kirk Christian Kirk off to no one. Just, like, dude, he just yeah just passed passed him <laughs> off to to no one for the touchdown I was yeah, like oh, okay all right it's like that then. But then we come right back.
2: Yeah, then we came back and Russ marched down with 30 seconds for that touchdown throw to lock it with the toe drag. That was just awesome. And it was 27-14. And then we ended up swapping basically a touchdown for a field goal to be 27-17. And I was like, okay, this is how the game should go. So second half, I figured we'd score a couple of touchdowns and they'd score
0: maybe 10 points. And we'd roll away with a pretty easy victory. Yeah. And then the second half, the offense went... uh pretty pretty dead we scored a scored a seven in the fourth quarter but that was it and they uh well we know what they did they did quite a bit to, to make up that deficit and every and it, it's it's tough for me um I think let's just get the second half of the feelings out of the way um so there's a million turning points in this game right and we're gonna take turns just saying one so that's so, and then we'll talk about each one. So, I'm gonna get go with what I think was the biggest turning point in the game. Uh Arizona throws a short pass. Bobby Wagner makes a play on the on the on the ball, hits the hits the receiver, gets a 15-yard penalty to bail out Arizona's offense deep in their own zone. They end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. Huge, huge, uh, huge turning point. This was third third and five on their own 12. Uh, in the, in a drive, there's 7:45 left in the third quarter. I think if they don't convert there, they, the game is nearly, the lead is nearly insurmountable, right? It's really hard for them to come back. And then they end up turning that into a long drive where Kyler Murray runs for a touchdown that play specifically to me, huge turning point in the, in the game, um, they had, the thing is, though, like we were going to say they had a million chances to get out the field, but that play, um, I don't know, I, that play drove me nuts. All right, Kevin, a, what, was a, what was a moment for you that felt like little, little things? Because there's like a million little cuts in this game, right?
2: Yeah, and there were a couple of plays. Uh, one was as the third quarter was wrapping up, and the other one was towards the beginning of the fourth quarter. And it was back-to-back Seahawks drives. On one of them, uh, Travis Homer takes the handoff and... Buda Baker lowers his helmet and does the Quandre digs hit and doesn't get the call for targeting, doesn't get the uh, ejection, and the drive kind of stalls out and Baker ends up showing up big down the stretch. So I felt like that was a pretty big turn between not
0: getting the boost to our drive and that happening. not only does Buddha Baker end up showing up big at the end of the game, but we really needed Travis Homer in the overtime And yeah. because in the overtime we come out in shotgun, we come with the one running back and we rely on that running back to block really well. And, uh, you know, I might make fun of Travis Homer's ability to be an effective runner, but there's no question he's a very effective pass blocker. He's a really good pass blocker. And in, in those drives at the end of the games, we need him. And I have no doubt in my mind if he's playing instead of uh, DJ Dallas, I think we win this game because he, he picks up that, that there was one play in the overtime where uh, they blitz, they, they were running this goofy and I think there's something that Seahawks can take away from watching the tape here. They're running this goofy, like six, five formation where they basically put like six linebackers on the line of scrimmage and then five uh, defensive backs. And then they put everyone really close to the line of scrimmage. So it's really, and then the, the guys can come from anywhere, right? That's the, the classic grizzly or bear formation. Right. But there's no defensive lineman. Everyone was standing up. Right. And so, so they do this formation and, and, um, and they do these plays and on one play, a guy comes through the middle (laughs) and Dallas walks right past him to stand behind the guards. And then the guy gets the sack that, that there's no way Homer doesn't at least like speed bump. You know what I mean? On a play like that. And so it's tough. It was, that was a tough injury. I'm with you on that. Um, Another big, big play or series of plays for me is um, two minute warning. You know, like the we have the ball and uh, we run Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde. Uh, We have the best player in football. And I think that I think that you got to trust in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. You got to trust Russ to get you a first down. You can't just put it on Carlos Hyde in the offensive line. And I understand they ran the clock down to 52 seconds, but you're only up by three. You're not up by seven. If we're up by seven, I'm all in on just run down the clock as much as possible. But up by three, I want to put the game away, you know, and, and a first down right there ends the game. Doesn't matter how many timeouts Arizona has. We just need to get another first down and i think we we could have salted the game away by putting the ball in the hands of the best football player on earth right now. And yeah, he wasn't at his best and we'll talk about the interceptions, but but he was he was good enough to win this game and they should have given him an opportunity to win the game in the can you win the game in the fourth quarter? Yeah, but not if you run it a bunch of times with Carlos Hyde. Well, Put the ball in the hands of your best player. What's
1: what's more frustrating about that and the turning point for me, there's there's all these plays you can point to but I felt we regressed to the Seattle Seahawks of last year. We we didn't let Russ cook. We, we rested on our laurels. It was third and two. That's totally makeable, and it just didn't happen. I think with Chris Carson, we make that. Carlos Hyde is good enough to make that, but like you said, why take the ball out of Russ's hands? It makes no sense there, and it, it felt like a serious regression point, and that was the moment that I was like, we're going to lose this game. And then, I mean, Hope came back after that, but the reality was, I think we lost the game on that drive. I, I have guess. another big spot where we you, lost
0: the game. Oh, just one sec, though. But I want to back up Eric's point. It's like Russell Wilson cooked in this game. He threw fifty times. That's cooking. But the problem was, is that when we when we really needed to to let him, you know, put one more plate on the table, we knocked it out of his hands and let Chef Hyde take over. You know, and it's not 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 the best choice they've ever made. All right, Kevin, what was another? What was another well,
2: turning point. Uh, just to
0: back that up again, I think if Carson was in,
2: it would have been different than Hyde, because mm-hmm. Carson gets more yards after contact. It's just more of a sure thing.
0: But so turning, um, tur- another turn, another small turning point. The 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 uh, the injury to Chris Carson.
2: Yeah, but I think a big turning point was Benson Mayoa on that field goal. I mean, you, he's not going to get his gold jacket with plays like that. Um, the penalty yeah. on the field goal, the two penalties on the field goal, but the one that gave them the opportunity to get the touchdown instead, there are two minutes and 30 seconds about left in the fourth quarter and they were going to kick a field goal. They needed a field, uh, a touchdown and a field goal. Well, if they had to kick the field goal, then on that last drive, they would have needed a
0: touchdown. Instead, it would have been a totally different story. Right. And the, the thing I think about Mayoa that, that weird thing that happened on that play was like, he goes off sides, right? Yep. So and he's not going to give up a first down. So all he has to do is just like run into guys. But he kind of—it's a situation that a football players not normally in, right? You're not normally in a situation where there's a bunch of guys just standing there. And so he does—he jumps over the guys and because like he doesn't want to just run people over. It's like, <laughs> and, and so I get why he did that, but I mean if you look at the room, you
2: you can, that you would normally do.
0: You cannot put your hands on the backs of the other players. It's just not a thing. If you do that, you're getting a flag that is like pretty clearly established at this point. And so like, as soon as he did that, he was like, Oh my gosh, he's screwed. And it's like, and it sucks too, because you're right. It was a huge turning point in the game. And it's like a, it's like a freak thing, right? You can't plan for that. What's the, what do you want to do? You want them to practice getting an offsides penalty and what to do after it. Like that's a ridiculous thing to practice. you you just can't be ready for a situation like that. And I think it, it was just it a was
2: fluky, but also kind of dumb.
0: Yeah. It was just fluky and unfortunate. And, and it led to a first down. And you're like, like you said, it led to a first down that, that uh, sc- ended up scoring a touchdown. Uh, rough. Not, not great. Um <clears throat> Let's talk about the interceptions, okay? Because I think that these are three pretty bad throws. Um, let's go to the the f- let's do let's do them in chronological order. Yeah. Um, and th- one thing is is that is that people will say like, oh, these interceptions didn't cost us because they, um, you know, they only the last one led to points, right? But but they do cost you because they're opportunities that you took away. And I think that you know on some level they were they were um, we were going to score, you know, like the first one. Okay, so Russell Wilson has uh, he has I don't remember who it was now who he was targeting on the throw. Do you remember on the first one who he was targeting?
1: Was it uh, uh,
0: Hollister in the flats? It he's, was somebody in the flat on that. Yeah, he's, target, he's targeting someone on, on the flat, and uh, he has a, he has his right tackle Brandon Shell. He's getting engaged in a block, and he's got a throw around him. Okay, and so you know you have a choice there. If he throws that ball hard to the sideline, it's a touchdown. If he throws a hard to sign, it's a touchdown or it's an incompletion, okay. But instead, he tries to go up and over the tackle, and he lobs it. And when you lob a ball across the field, if you have good defensive backs playing against you, that is a that's a tasty treat. That's a nice snack for a good defensive back. And well, Buda Baker made quick work of that one. And the thing is, is that you got to throw hard to the outside. You can't you can't lob one up like that unless it's going to be like a fade that's going out of bounds, right? Like it's going. Out of he bounds. Threw
2: it started. like the defender was in trail position, right. and instead the defender was cutting from across the field because the whole thing was they were trying to snap the ball because there was like a scrum of defensive backs who hadn't figured out who they were covering
0: yet. Yeah, just a just a bad throw, and then like like we're on the goal line there, so yeah, our next drive leads to a touchdown. But you know maybe our next drive leads to a touchdown anyway, and that's seven points we just took off the board, or or three points if it was an, if he throws it hard to the outside and it's an incompletion, right? Yeah, absolutely. so that's. That one is um that was tough.
2: Not to mention uh, just energy for the defense. They had to they had to have that goal line stand right after that. And
0: you know, say what you will, but goal line stands, take it out of a defense. Okay, this the second one. Okay, Russ is scrambling to his right. The play is starting to break down. DK holds up his route, and um I think maybe on paper, you know, the, the route is deep fade, and he runs that that short, that short outside fade, and Russ throws it up like he's gonna be deep. But you can see where he is. And if he just chucks that at DK, you know what I mean? Like just uses his eyes, looks downfield, sees DK, throws to DK. DK's open, right? Yep. So I think DK sets up in an area where he says, okay, the play is breaking down. Russ is running. I'm breaking off my route. I'm going to find a good spot to stand where I can get a catch. And And Russ throws it to where he thinks he's going to be instead of throwing it to where he actually is. So it's a bad throw. I, I, and I think people want to blame DK for that and maybe it is DK's fault. I don't know. And Kyler Murray picks the next throw. So like people will say like, Oh, it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. Like we, now we had to get a turnover to cancel it out. And that's a good defensive play that maybe tilted in our favor that now is basically, you know, it was just canceling out a bad offensive play. Right. Yep. Cause if we score on that drive, even the three points now that interception to Isabella is a, is a big, then that, uh, that Quandre Diggs gets is a big play tilting in our direction because we just scored okay the last pick in overtime okay they run that 0-6-5 look they have all these guys along the line Isaiah Simmons runs straight back and he throws it like he's not there I don't know if he just didn't see him um, it is a really unique look that the Cardinals are using on this play okay with the guy with everyone standing up <laughs> you don't know which guys are going to drop into coverage and Simmons is a premier athlete too this guy runs like a 4 5 from the linebacker position he's insane insanely athletic so yeah maybe it is um it is something where he just doesn't see him and and simmons has or he does see him and simmons has insane recovery speed so he doesn't expect him to be able to get back there but it's a throw that he shouldn't be making and there's a guy in the passing lane he doesn't really get it over him at all uh, a pick and that plays huge too because the defense was put in a really bad position where they have to get You have to
1: get back faster
0: and they they're, they're already in our zone. Now they're starting their drive in the Seattle zone. They, we basically can't give up a first down, you know what I mean? And whereas if we just punt it down to the five, I mean, at least we can play for a tie. You know what I mean? There's not very much time left on the clock. There's a minute and four seconds left. So just throwing the ball away, there would have been better than the interception. And so, so I I think I know what happened on that pick though. If you
2: watch what happened, there was a defensive back that lined up over the top of uh more Mm -hmm. and that defensive back came on the blitz and so what I think happened was Russ was trying to throw into the blitz but he had a very kind of a narrow lane that he could throw into the blitz from and I think he just didn't anticipate how fast Isaiah Simmons could drop because if you look the pass was on a perfect trajectory because I went back as live watching the game it was one of those like who the hell was he throwing that to I
3: know but
2: When you go back and see it, you can see that um, when the DB rushed off the edge, Russ was trying to do a timing route to flip it just to where Moore was going to be coming over because Moore came uncovered. But he had to get it to him before the safety came down to take that coverage assignment. But he just didn't anticipate, you know, a basically a
0: cornerback speed
2: playing linebacker dropping into coverage right there which I mean, maybe he should have
0: but and maybe he doesn't and maybe he doesn't see like a guy because he because simmons is lined up on the line of scrimmage and maybe he just doesn't think like this guy's not going to run straight back into that passing lane you know what i mean and he, he throws it before he really sees him does that make sense right
2: that's what i'm saying yeah
0: he throws it, and then as soon as he throws it, he's probably like, oh, dang, no, I shouldn't have thrown that.
2: Well, yeah, but Russell's trying to – I think his read was a read that makes sense. They're blitzing from there, which means that guy's uncovered, which means I have a good quick pass to David Moore. And then David Moore can take off upfield. But, but like you said, that meant that they schemed a really nice disguise on what their linebackers were doing.
0: Speaking of David Moore. The play previous to that, DK has an awesome uh, screen pass that he takes in for a touchdown. And David Moore holds on the play pretty egregiously. Definitely a holding. <laughs> um, let me just let me just say, David Moore, try to get into that guy's chest. But if it's not there, it's not there, man. You're not an offensive tackle, okay? Like, like just do your best, but don't give up. The wide receiver should not be giving up penalties on the outside like that. That is, uh, just try to get I, game I don't know, killers – They made me mad because that puts us at third and 14. And then Russ felt like, I think Russ forcing, forcing it a little bit on the next play, you know, just, just, I don't know. It's doomed us. Uh, yeah. And then Kyler 57 seconds runs another nice little field goal drive and they get the Cardinals get the win. Um, I'll be say this, if you, we have five tough games in a row, right? Five or five, at least potentially interesting games. I think San Francisco's garbage. We'll talk about that in a minute so I'm not as worried about the 49ers, but the, and it's not because the 49ers, the 49ers are just really injured. It's not even that they're, they're bad. They're just like are missing a lot of the players that would make them good. Uh, And at some point uh, you hit critical mass where the injuries are too much. And I think that they're at that point where the injuries are tipping their, them over into not good. And so, but this is a stretch of five games that are really going to define the season for the Seahawks whether they can be the one seed and the division champion or whether they're we're looking at a team that might have to struggle against the Rams and the Cardinals and then lead us to get second in the division now we're playing on the road all playoffs you know what i mean this is these are kind of the defining this is the defining stretch of the season and so <clears throat> i personally wanted to see the team go at least 3 and 2 and that is still possible but now we have to go 3 and 1 in four games we made our road a little harder when it could have been a little easier because they had this one right there's multiple points where they had this one and it just kind of didn't didn't happen so and anything what else what else do we want to talk about i mean there's so much in this game i think that we need to talk about but i think that the chronological part is over <laughs> do you yes. want do you want to go off offense or defense kevin
2: uh i'll let eric go he's eric you want
1: oh,
0: to go oh you got it do you want to start offense or defense eric I'm sorry, you're, I, you the robots got you. Say again. Okay. Do you want to start offense or defense?
1: Oh, uh, let's uh, let's start defense. Let's start defense. Let's go Eric. offense.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. So de- I like how Kevin finally decided, but then Eric was like, "No, the other one." Yeah. All right, Eric. What's what's something you noticed on on the defense the side of the football? What was some something that uh, maybe impressed you or uh, made an impression on you?
1: <laughs> uh, uh, for defense in this game, like. Uh you're asking me you're asking me what what impressed me about the defense in the Cardinals game. What a loaded question. Impressions um, can be bad like a dent in your car. Well, I mean cuz I'm <laughs> I'm stuck yeah. I'm stuck at the end of the game where it it just felt like we couldn't do anything. I'll say this. Um for all of our uh our, our pass rush rankings is what we we didn't we didn't have a hurry on Kyler Murray. I d- did not mean to rhyme there. I apologize. Uh we didn't have any quarterback hits. Is that correct? We got to Kyler Murray a number of times and was not a, we were not able to bring him down. I felt that that is a win in a sense because we actually got to a quarterback. It's incredibly hard to take down because he's so fast, a uh, very wily player. But the fact that we did get to him, the stat box will not show that. The eye test, the,
0: watching the game, we got very close to him numerous times. And that's, yeah, that that's is impressive. That is what I was going to say, Eric. Is you're right. Like the Seahawks right now in the league, they're 16th, right in the middle of pack in pass rush win rate, according to ESPN stats and information. We are not our pass rush is is not as bad as I think people are making it out to be. There's a bigger systems level problem with what's going on. It's not just the the individual pass rushers because you're right, they're getting close. They're getting close, but every single time Kyler Murray is able to find an open wide receiver before they can get home. And uh, that's the problem for me.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, we're playing with so much
0: cushion in the zone. Yes, is how how much farther do you think Trey Flowers and uh, and Quentin Dunbar and Shaquille Griffin? I mean, I understand social distancing in this day and age is important. Like we want to social distance, but maybe like in the middle of a close football game, that's not the time to be doing it. You know, it's not the time to be ten yards away from the person that you're trying to to guard because that is how far away it. it when you only need to go twenty yards on a drive and you only have fifty-seven seconds, make their life difficult because it doesn't matter. You know, as long as you don't give up a touchdown, it doesn't matter if you give up f- two yards or twenty yards. Right, the field goal is the field goal. Uh, if you need to stop them close to the line of scrimmage, okay, I, two was a little extreme because two yards would have been great. I'd be down with two yards, tw- tw- ten yards or twenty yards. Is there's no difference, right? They're in field goal range. Field goal range is field goal range. Their kicker's good. so well, not to mention what type of cornerbacks do the Seahawks go after
2: guys with long arms, with good athleticism. Those are guys who are supposed to be able to press you physical. So if you, why, why are you getting all these physical corners to have them play this super soft zone? It doesn't make any sense. It's a complete misuse of resources.
1: Yeah. And this going into this season, we supposedly had this awesome secondary and I, I still think we can be awesome. But also Trey Flowers, I mean, that guy was social distancing before twenty twenty. I mean he's <laughs> well let's, he's the king of it. And it's really like people I will see the article. I saw one a couple weeks ago. It's time for the Trey Flowers time in Seattle to end.
0: It's like he's a body we have, but geez, like He's a backup. Like and it's okay oh. if your backup if your backups are just okay, that's fine. But you need to the skill in a backup. 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 Put him in a position to succeed, right? The scheme is telling him to to line up a million yards off the ball. Same with Dunbar. Dunbar's doing the same thing on the other side. You know, it's it's not it's not just him. And I think Quandre Diggs had a decent game in this game, but like I think that it's it's tough out there for Quandre right now because they're not playing the Seahawks style t- tough, you know, bump and run cover three kind of like. Defense that we would expect them to play, right? They're right. playing, they're playing differently, and I, I don't totally understand why. I don't understand what the perceived benefit is because we're giving our defensive line, which we will openly admit is substandard, but not as bad as I think we expected. I think it's a little bit better than I, than I initially expected, and they have no time to get home because there's a free eight yards hanging out on the sideline every single play.
1: Well, I think we're doing
0: well, something with our safeties
1: where we're not. We're we're scheming things differently and it's causing our quarterback, our cornerbacks, our defensive backs to be softer in the zone because maybe we're not like we we can't trust the safety help. I don't I don't know what it is. Kevin, you were going to say something didn't mean to interrupt.
2: Well, I was going to say, I think injuries are playing a role in things, too. Jordan Brooks has only played in four games. Quentin Dunbar was in four games, though not necessarily injury. Adams has only played half the team's games. Blair was out for the season after two. Bruce is out for the season after two. Rasheem's only played in one game. Diggs and Shaquille have missed chunks of games, and Shaquille's going to be missing a few more coming up, it sounds like. So we're in a situation where the defensive backs haven't been super healthy. And then we're just not putting them in a favorable position. Like, you know, Ryan Neal, for as much of a good story as he's been, you're still going from Jamal Adams to Ryan Neal. Like, that's that's problematic. And that got exposed today. Gave up six catches on six targets for 71 yards. That's that's not good. We don't want to do that. Do Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, our, our linebackers are being exposed in coverage again and again. And why, why do we have linebackers covering wide receivers? Is that a lesson that we haven't learned? Defensive. This goes back to Ken Norton not, not pushing the right buttons on Pete Carroll's
0: install, in my opinion. And de- defensively, uh, KJ, Wright. Uh, is there one thing I want to say about KJ? Is there anybody who hates a completed screen more than KJ? He eviscerated
1: <laughs> him <laughs> on that play. Time. Oh my uh, God. That was, like, that was right out of Madden. <laughs>
0: KJ KJ Wright. I'm like, man, he just—you complete a screen against that guy. You should just hit the ball into the ground, like when you see KJ Wright coming at you, because you're gonna get murdered. <laughs> what about like when that? Puna Ford got outside and German suplex D-hop
2: and caused the fumble? That was gorgeous.
0: I'm—I I mean, like I like I said, I think that this is a potentially league average defense that is playing below that level. And, and you're right, Kevin. It's uh, Pete this week. They asked him about Ken Norton, and he said he said that. You know, it's my, I have a lot of influence on the defense, but on game day, it's my job to step back and let Ken, you know, push the buttons, as you said, like, let Ken do what he's going to do and, um, and try to help him during the week, know what buttons that he should be pushing. And, you know, and Pete has a lot to do on game day that he, if he's calling the defense, I don't think that's a good idea. Right. So what we need to do is they need to figure this out during the week, because right now what Ken Norton is doing is not working. And if, and let me say something to the, the, the hashtag fire Ken Norton and, uh, Ken fire, Ken Norton threads on Reddit and all this stuff. Peter Clay Carroll is not firing a coach in season. Not once, not ever. Okay. It's never happening. Don't you can meme it all you want. It's not ever going to happen. And so the, the only thing that could happen that is along those lines is he could, he could maybe hire like a defensive assistant and make him like a def- defensive QC coach and have him work with Norton, like a guy and a guy like available, like Dan Quinn. I don't but think is Dan Richard, uh, working anywhere right now. Yeah. I'd be honest. Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn is probably not wanting to be on a football, around a football field right now, but, uh, no, Chris Richard is not, is not working right now. So, yeah. I would say bring Chris Richard to push those buttons. I think he could do at least as good of a job. Yeah, we have a
2: lot of evidence that uh, Ken Norton, through two different franchises, is not a good defensive coordinator. He is the Tom Cable of defensive coordinators right now.
0: Yeah, at, the, at this point, at the end of the season, that's something, that's something they definitely need to take a look at. But as of what we can do right now to fix the problem, uh, Pete needs to influence him more during the week, get, get in his ear about what went wrong. And, uh, and then we need to maybe think about like, who's a defensive assistant that, that could come in and, and kind of help out. The, the other thing is the defensive tackles are playing too much. Jaron Reed played 73 snaps, Puna Ford played 61 snaps. That rotation needs to be thicker. Snacks Harrison cannot get here soon enough um, because that, that, those guys need to get a blow on the sidelines so that they can be ready. Uh, on pass rushing plays because those guys are good interior pass rushers, both both Ford and Reed. But when they have to play every down, that takes away their ability, their burst, their ability to get to the to the quarterback. And I think that you know we could see both those guys get six sacks down the for the re, you know each for the rest of the year if they can come in f- with fresh legs and and ready to go. Yeah, so that
2: rusher because Monet got twenty three snaps. I think that's a great number of snaps for him is somewhere in that like twenty to thirty snaps range. And he was very effective on
0: those snaps. I mean they were doing, another guy to come in and steal some of those. They were doing dumb stuff at the end of the game. Shaquim Griffin got nose tackle snaps, man. Like that that stuff is <laughs> that stuff is silly, and especially because it looked like he didn't he was out there and he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. Like if you're if you're gonna put uh, uh like a, a linebacker or a stand up end like Shaquim Griffin out there in, in in the middle of the field like that, like he needs a plan. <laughs> you know what i mean has got that's got to be part of some greater plan yeah. look at what arizona put a bunch of small guys on the line they had a plan right we're going to disguise our blitzes we're going to come from different angles right now our defensive line play is not creative it's just guys running running forward trying to beat their man there's not a lot of like interesting stunts or interesting moves we're not doing anything good to create pressure and uh we're, and then the solution that that i think that that uh Norton sees is that he's going to blitz Adam like fifteen times a game. That's not that's not a good idea either. Okay, like that that's a bad idea. And if that's your solution, the problem is like blitzing uh, defensive backs, and like then we're in trouble. We're in trouble if that's the way he thinks we're going to get out of jail here, because it's um it's not worth blitzing double digits. If we're blitzing
2: Jamal Adams double
0: digits times every
2: game, then that we're just we're doing the equivalent of, like, button matching in a fighting game. I'd see, like, it I'm happening. This button and see if happening, does. Well, that's, that's what was happening. Nathan mentioned it in week, yeah, what, two or three? You were saying, like, that was just... That was too much blitzing. We were not using Adams effectively. Um, Like, I get that he's kind of a gadget player. But, like, you know, you ruin gadget players by never letting them actually play a position. And that
1: is what right. I see when he comes back. I... I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I'm just saying, looking at the history of what we've done, we even talked about it before he got here. Like he could be the team's number one pass rusher.
0: I think Pete sees that, Uh, get ready for it. It's a, just the thing that I think is like, the problem is there's not a talent deficit on this defense. This defense has talent all over every position. It has talent. The problem is that the talent is not being used very well, in my opinion. And that that's a problem.
2: And that's, that's Pete, it. and that's Norton.
0: Yeah. So, so the those the coaching needs to get better because if it can get even marginally better, this, <laughs> sorry, this defense is um well, you know it it has a lot of potential. All right, let's well, go. Because again, it. against a playoff quality team in Arizona,
2: at Arizona, the team was good enough to win that game multiple times and took a lot of tough luck breaks. Um, in officiating, in mistakes, in ball, the bounce of the ball for Arizona to come away with an overtime victory. All
0: right, let's go. Let's go to the offense. I don't want this to get lost. Tyler Lockett had perhaps his greatest game in the uniform. 15 catches on 20 targets. Two drops, man. I don't know what the deal is with that. He's dropped more balls this year than ever, but who cares? 200 yards. More targets than ever, though. (laughs) Three three touchdowns. um, Two broken tackles. Just (laughs) 11 first downs. Absurd. Just Unstoppable.
2: An absurd game. Yeah. And the other thing is like his yards after catch is probably his least impressive numbers. He was averaging two and a half yards after catch per reception. But you have to remember, that's because a lot of his long catches were like sliding through the back of the end zone or diving just beyond the reach of one of the of Patrick Peterson. You know, it's he was making catches that were just ridiculous.
0: He's been a little quiet the last couple of games. He decided to make up for lost time. Wait. We saw the tight ends get in the rotation. Hollister with three catches, Olsen with two, Disley with two. Love that. Love to see the tight ends getting involved. I think that that can be a nice wrinkle for this offense as we head down the stretch. David I Moore. I don't love Hyde with three though. David Moore looked good. I thought Hyde caught the ball fine. You know, he it's he just doesn't do
2: anything with it. It's not like when Carson gets it and you're like he might truck a guy or he might make a guy miss. No, but Hyde's it's like he might turn around and then fall.
1: It's good to see like him spreading the ball around and knowing that we have receivers that can catch the ball though.
2: Yeah. It's just one of those things where like, that's a That's one of those things where you're looking at the injury and going, well, that could have been a much bigger play, but the guy who could have made that play is hurt. Yeah. yeah.
0: DJ, DJ Dallas. Um, he pass blocked five times and allowed two QB hits. The end of game uh, running back thing is going to be a problem. If DJ Dallas is our only healthy running back going into next week, this could be uh, this could be an interesting week for the Seattle Seahawks. Just I think that San Francisco is at like a critical mass of injuries that are going to make it po- very easy for us to win. But DJ is like uh, scary, spooky. He's a spooky in the pass blocking game, man. That's
2: looked like a rookie running back in pass protection.
0: Yeah, he definitely did not look like he knew what he was doing. Totally. Um, other than that, I thought that actually the pass pro was excellent again. Um, another good week of pass blocking another good another solid week just of all around blocking it's nice to have an offensive line that doesn't completely suck you know what i mean like
2: yeah, they're reliably fine to better than fine
0: yeah it's just it's nice to like look at the offensive line and be like yeah you know what it's a pretty solid offensive line uh when lewis went down i got real scared but he came right back out asserted himself well only had a like the, a couple pressures or just a one i think just a one pressure given up
2: uh, and it really the the,
0: was the Damian Lewis play where he gave up the pressure too, I think he didn't know the play call cuz he he comes off the line and he just runs straight into the center <laughs> like <laughs> like you should go back and watch it it's it's a comically weird play he just like runs straight into the center and I'm like huh that we was like a his thing that, that was a thing that happened yeah where he he obviously just like misjudged yeah. and then was like like he,
1: oh, I... he was like no nah! and watch the replay it was like bro that that's a trip well, it was a clear situation where, uh, like like Nathan was saying, it was like he
2: lost track of what was supposed to be happening. And he's like, well, I can't just let my quarterback get hit. So he's like a little toe flip out there to knock the guy off balance. <laughs> you know, I'd rather that than let the quarterback get murdered. So so I guess good on you. <laughs> Jordan
0: Jordan Simmons looks like a really valuable rotation player that probably will be on this team for, for many years unless he gets poached, you know? Yeah, really quality uh, swing guard that can backup it's not teams. he's not great but he can play both guard positions and at a, at a you know reliably re- nfl level he's not he's not below and it's not like when um hunt came in and there were certain guys who were just going to run him over jordan simmons ain't that ain't that guy i mean he's not going to be great he's not going to single-handedly defeat aaron donald but he's not going to be a speed bump either he's going to make him work for it which is all you can really ask um I'll hold that spot until beefy boy haynes comes back that the run game looked all right in this game. Uh, I th- Like Eric said, I think 25 rush attempts, probably too many. Uh, put the ball in the hands of, of Russell Wilson and let him try to win you the game. Uh, that's, you know, if we have
1: those attempts, have
0: if, we, if we score on
1: two of the three interception drives, then those rushing numbers look great because they're grinding out a win. Mm-hmm.
2: Or that's if true. the or if more of them go to Carson and is seven yards per attempt and five yards after contact per <laughs> attempt. Yeah. Like, you know, then then again, that's one of those things where the whole dynamic looks different. One thing I and was perfectly respectable. It's just Carson was plus. plus.
0: I love when the, the game plan seems to favor uh like like they notice a matchup or they notice a guy they want to pick on and they just go after it because it's like kind of an un Seahawks thing. The Seahawks Often in the past, they're like, uh, they don't, they don't like just pick on a guy. They just run their offense and whatever. They went after Drake Kirkpatrick. Drake Kirk picked on. They were like, they were like, hey, uh, you're on Tyler Lockett. Well, let's target you 12 times. Oh, you're on David Moore. We'll target you three more times. That's fine. You you, you can't guard David Moore either. You're bad. Yeah. yeah. They targeted him 16 times, 13 receptions, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. They went right after that guy. I'm just saying, if Drake Kirkpatrick
2: has a league minimum contract next season, he can just blame the Seahawks.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: they, they were like, they were like, you, you don't have it anymore, buddy. Your, your, uh, your time is in, in the NFL is coming to a. To, how old is Drake or Patrick now? He's only like thirty two, isn't he? Yeah, but still, it did not look. He looked, he looked washed in this game. That uh, that could be just Tyler Lockett is really and good. he was hurt. He was coming off an injury that he was still
2: like he was he was a maybe to play, but like maybe maybe they shouldn't have played him. <laughs> All
3: right.
0: K- kicking. Uh, Myers still hasn't missed. He's fantastic. Uh, I don't have anything else to say about that. Uh, hit two field goals of 40 to 49 yards, went four for four and extra points. Dixon looked pretty good. Um, the one touchback, I I mean, he, I think if he could, he needed to. He got to his foot too far into that. I think. He, I think he was just trying to get it off. He was worried about the rush. Cause he just got his foot too far into it. He needs, he needs to like rein, rein that one in because the, and both other two punts were awesome. Uh, so, all right, let's go to San Francisco. Um, the San Francisco 49ers are four and three. They have beaten the Patriots, the Rams, the giants, and the jets. They have lost to the Eagles, the dolphins, and the Cardinals the team. We just played, they come off a, Big win against a Patriots team that could not move the football one inch last week. Just their offense looked the worst I've seen a team play in a long time. What I was
2: going to say, that felt like clearly a product of the Patriots offense much more than the San Francisco defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, the defense is only on the field for 52 plays like they they didn't have to do anything right. The New England just couldn't couldn't get anything going and it makes it easy for your offense um, things I'm looking out for, you know, this team can run the football. This is that's kind of the 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 hallmark of a Kyle Shanahan offense is they're able to get something going in the run game, use it to set up the pass. They are gonna be, you know, the injuries thing is a problem for them though. Mostert was their number one, he's out. Their number two is out, Tevin Coleman. Their number three, I think it's like a th- number three ankle sprain, number three tie between Wilson and McKinnon. Wilson is out. So now they're up to McKinnon who I think they really like they but they don't want to overuse because they want him available at the end okay. of the season. They're trying to hold him back. He's also their chief face back and he's now cause, the workhorse. Cuz he's kind of made of glass, right? Like he's yeah. he's a little Mr. Glassy. He gets he's hurt all the time. In him. He's very talented. He's He's very talented, so I think they were they're trying to like save him, but now they won't be able to. It'll be Jarek McKinnon with backed up by Jamichael Hasty. They don't really have any other options, and um, I don't know. That's a that's a little scary for them. Jimmy G's not good. Jimmy uh, G has been playing like absolute crap, and he is being
2: propped up by a good offensive scheme. Yeah, and but a good offensive
0: off- line, and their their offensive line is is solid.
1: Hey,
0: but that uh, scheme. Dedicated on getting the ball out fast, so
2: this would be a great game to stop giving giant cushions. The yes, media is to...
1: onto that now. Uh, there is a lot of news that you know he has a short leash uh, throughout this season, and this could be his last season. Started they... about the okay.
2: jackets.
0: Yeah, uh, okay. I, I thought you meant they were going to put in like CJ Beathard or
1: something. No, it's like okay. this. They're saying that Garoppolo is not insured as the quarterback after this year if he keeps playing, which is like that, that's we, that's oh, to his Hall of Fame career. Com-
0: completely yeah. fair. I mean, last week they they last week they won thirty three to six, and uh, Jimmy G went twenty for twenty five with two picks and no touchdowns. Not
2: like, not a banner performance. In
0: twenty eighteen, if he
2: was healthy enough to play safety for them, they'd have won the Super Bowl, right?
0: Okay. <laughs> Debo Samuel, their number one wide right receiver, hurt. The best player on their defense, Nick Bosa, hurt. Uh, Richard Sim, Richard Sherman hurt. They're just they're super injured. This team is very injured. Uh, Dion Deion Jordan revenge game maybe. Just kidding. Demonte
2: Moore revenge game.
0: That was a good. That was a good joke, right? Uh, DJ. Wait, we got we had a revenge game. DJ Reed revenge game. Uh, I would DJ Reed revenge game. DJ Reed. If DJ Reed comes back this week, I'd love to see him play. I I think DJ Reed is uh was sneak a sneaky move by the Seahawks. They were really trying to sneak him onto the the um IR list and yeah, that, on that, He's a really good nickel cornerback. That that totally would come out and play for us and,
2: or at least push Ugo to And he could potentially play outside too. Like he's not he's, he's not for he, him the team.
0: He's short for us though, five five foot nine and a half. That's really short for a Seahawks yeah. outside corner. But I mean if the other option is Trey Flowers then yeah. Yeah he could definitely play outside. <laughs> Hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe him and Trey could split, you know, and then Trey, let Trey go out there, get physical and run as hard as he can, and then bring DJ in to like spell him so he can rest, right? If he can't hold up that level of effort, that's I would fine. just like to see people being physical again. Yeah. I, I'll settle for that part. Um, I just, this team just doesn't have the tools to, to scare me. Our offense is going to be able to score a lot of points against San Francisco They'd and be since- able to. If
2: they can't, that's a concern.
0: And if they, and they're just going to try to run and we should, this is a big should, we should be good. We seem to have the personnel to, uh, to do it. Now I would love to, they're not sure if Jamal Adams is going to play this week and that would be huge. Jamal, Jamal Adams would make me supremely confident that this game will be a blowout because he roaming sideline to sideline on run plays is going to eat San Francisco up, right? Without him, it will be a more difficult road, but we have great linebackers still, and I do I do I'm confident in their ability to bottle up this run game and you know beat up George Kittle, who is the only guy in the passing game that I'm even a little bit afraid of.
2: Yeah, I mean uh, they bottled up Kenny Drake this week. They've bottled up good running backs in the past. But not we Chase Edmonds at the end of game. Yeah, but I think it's more like we couldn't bottle up Kyler Murray and Chase Edmonds just fed off that. That you know, was too, that would
0: happen. Honestly, Kyler Murray's a good football player. You know what I mean? He's they, it's effective. Arizona feels a little bit like us 2012 where they're they're on the way up they're getting better they probably are one draft away you know from being a real contender but they're a frisky solid middle of the pack football team that is deserving of a playoff spot and yeah, they'll
2: probably make the playoffs uh beat whoever's in the nfc east
0: yeah they'll, they'll that's right they'll be the the best wild card team and they'll just beat the brakes off of the Cowboys or whatever <laughs> cow the Washington. I'm going for Washington football team. They'll beat the brakes off the Washington football team. I'm rooting for the Eagles because I like teams with ties. All right, whatever. Um, <laughs> so any other thoughts about San Francisco before we uh, head to. Uh, uh,
1: I have, I, have one I mean, thought. I guess I, I don't want to underestimate this team. We just came off a loss Uh, where I was very upset we lost, but, you know, given, you know, time heals all wounds, right, fellas, I was thinking, hey, you know what, maybe this kind of exposes our weaknesses and this gives us something to fix. And uh, even though we already had these weaknesses before that we were trying to fix, um, I don't think any team in the NFC West is a rollover team. And I think the Niners look like the worst team in the division, but they're still four and three. They still beat the Patriots, even though it was a it was a bad performance. It's still Bill Belichick. I really, I don't think this is going to be a big blowout for us. I just, just, just being real guys, just being real.
2: So I'm going to say there's one path to a win for San Francisco here. And that is the fact that they have one of the, what, two best offensive coaches in the NFL going against a defensive coordinator who I don't trust at all.
0: Right. And they could totally, they could totally like run a bunch of times throw to Kittle couple throws to Brandon Ayuk and move the ball really well and just shorten the game enough that it's and close. Our at
2: offense the, isn't clicking.
0: And it's close at the end. Maybe Russ makes one mistake and that's all it takes, right? Because the, we basically, I need him to be perfect. That could happen. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I'm going to project San Francisco will lose this game by 20 or more points. How about that? True. Um, I'm going to call it. I, do, I just think that there's huge blowout potential here. Jimmy G makes some mistakes. Uh, this is a defense that creates turnovers. Even in the loss last week we were creating turnovers. I could totally see uh us making making a big big move here. I'm I'm into it. I'm ready. So there you go. Seahawks, I don't know, Seahawks thirty-five. Uh fourteen San Francisco. I
2: was going to say got I get over twenty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a couple questions. Hey Eric, do you know what the date is on Sunday? Well, oh, it's, uh, it's May Day, November 1st. November 1st, the start of Pete Vember.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: All right. Gentlemen, we have Pete Vember and a Russ Venge game. I think this is going to be a bit of a blowout. Oh, yeah. Seahawks 42, 49ers
1: 24. Wow. I like these picks, gentlemen. I'm going to stick to what I said. I can't I can't drink your Kool-Aid and I, I love to be wrong. You guys know that it's going to be a sunny day in Seattle. We love those games should be prime time, but people uh, can't put us on every week. It's Tuesday. How do you know what the weather's going to be on Sunday in Seattle? Uh, because I have an app that tells me the weather and Kevin, I don't know if you know this, but weather predictors never wrong. Never miss. <laughs> never miss. They're like uh They're like mainstream weathermen. I'm going Seahawks, 37, Niners, 31.
0: All right. Uh, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest Podcast. The best way to do so, head over to PuntHub.us. Click anywhere you want. That'll take you to our Patreon. Uh, thank you to the new October Patreons: Tomas, Taro, Andy, Gareth, Dean, Jonathan, <laughs> Banked, and Nathan. And thank you to uh, our longtime Patreons, Lucas, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick, Foles, Emmanuel, Jay, Warwolf, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Philoctomus Keith, Michelle, and everyone else who's supporting the show. Also, if you cannot support uh, the show financially, head over to wherever you get your podcast app. Give us a five-star rating. Also, I was on the uh, reaction, game reaction podcast this week for field goals. Check that out. Um, it's, fun, uh, it's always fun hanging out with Brandon from Seahawkers. Uh, so other than that, our movie club. We, uh, we've we been doing spookies all month for the month of October, and we decided we'd close with a um, Seahawks Nest, like the review style, the classic style movie club, where we talk about a movie. Today we're going to talk about two movies, though, because they're both so short that it's basically uh, like watching one movie. Yeah, <laughs> They're about 70 minutes each. You put them Uh, both together, they're like one uh, Avengers movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, This uh, is—they're both available on Netflix. It's Creep and Creep Two. So uh, Creep and Creep Two are—they are—they star from the from the League. Uh, Mark Duplass. Sorry, Mark Duplass. They are also written by Mark Duplass uh, and produced by him. He basically got these movies made, Um, and he's—he's basically. It's it's kind of a, like a throwback style of movie, right? With the, the single camera, like um, one thing. It's found footage, but also kind of has a non-found footage feel to it, you know? like It's found like, footage, but is being intentionally shot within the story. So right. it looks like an older production. So think more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre almost. It feels like a movie. Feel? It feels like a movie still, even though it's like found footage, where sometimes found footage movies just feel like a series of clips. Yeah. this still feels like a film.
1: This isn't uh, this nothing like the office, but you know how the office felt natural in what it did, like you kind of forgot there was a camera crew there. That's what this felt like, like that you're like, you are the you are the camera.
0: So in Creep One, uh, Mark Duplass plays uh, Joseph. Joseph hires a videographer, Aaron, to come do it he tells him a bunch of a story about how he's going to make a film about his uh about how he
2: uh about his he's, life. his
0: skin about his life because his, he has cancer it's inoperable and is he wants to leave it for his unborn son and then he he engages in a bunch of really erratic behaviors does a bunch of stuff keeps jumping out from behind things to scare Aaron, <laughs> stuff yes. like that just a, just a bunch of wild stuff and um i think that one thing that's really excellent about these movies is um Mark Duplass to make this work has to, um, just through his performance gives you a give you a sense of unease, because otherwise this won't work, right? And um, he plays the character is like,
2: uh, like there's a manic energy to the character where you can kind of see where it's going before it starts, just because. His energy is a little unsettling. Like it, it's like you're that person at work who's a little too happy, and so you wonder if they're like a spousal abuse victim or something.
0: I feel like it it pulled from like a like a classic two hander, like a like a Misery. Okay, yes. where it's just there's two people, and you need at least one of the performances to be magnetic in a way that is that really works, like Kathy Bates in Misery. Not that James Conn isn't good in that movie, and not like Patrick Bryce's Aaron isn't good in this movie, but. But Mark Duplass has to be a incredible, or this movie just won't work. It'll fall flat, right? Because yeah. there's just there's not enough going on. He just have Antoine. to lift so much in the movie. But holy smokes, this psychological, the ability to to get this psychology, the intensity of his like eye contact and facial expressions, the way he he is always like invading people's personal space and sharing details about himself that you probably shouldn't talk about. Um, though, those things are are insane and they really make they give you a sense of discomfort you're uncomfortable for for the whole movie and then i mean creep 2 you're even more uncomfortable because you have creep 1 in your back pocket you've already seen <laughs> seen it and it's like oh my gosh this is like crazy what's happening so okay eric you haven't talked at all so i feel like no. i'm gonna give you a chance what are your what are just your big picture thoughts on creep and creep 2 uh it's it's a slow burn man it's um
1: it it's not your typical slow burn where it starts slow and it, you know, bursts into flames with this giant like, oh, wow, ending. But it's it's just generally unsettling. Mark Duplass, he's he's a, a great writer, great actor. I love him in the league. Um, every time I watch the league, I think of our football league um, and wondering if I'm Ruxin. But he's so funny in that show. And then Creep, he's his name is Joseph. And it's what is J-O-S-E-F, I believe. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's so something creepy about that. It's, it just nails it. Like the, the film title creep does it perfect justice in the sense that you just see him and you're like, it's unsettling. Why isn't this guy getting out of here? Why is he, it's not even like he's putting up with a lot. It's just like, get this. Are you, do you have no feeling, no sixth sense telling you to get out of there?
0: Another thing uh, too is, is that like he, he, um, you're the, like the way you said it, like he, um, he just like. Ah, so hard. To, this is so hard to put into words, but like you can tell, like every time he uh, he has the person on the hook, right? And it seems like they're gonna get off the hook, and they're finally gonna get any realism back in. Yeah, you know what I mean. He just has he
2: this has like- something that what he does is he puts the person in a situation where they would be uncomfortable walking out. Like yes. he has, he does a good job of doing that, and you immediately can think of like times in your life where like somebody overshared but they overshared in such a way where you felt like you couldn't walk on the conversation or you'd just be like destroying them. And you're like, oh, that's such a weird thing to do to somebody.
1: Yeah, he preys on people's uh, politeness. And yeah. then the scene where basically the uh, Joseph's sister uh, calls. Yeah, Angela. Yeah, Angela calls Bryce and is like, you got to get oh, out dude. of there. That's that's the scene because then guess what? Joseph, he's in Joseph's house. Joseph has disappeared. Well, that's like the weirdest thing. And it's, it's like super, it's, it's maybe the most frightening part of the movie because you're like, he's got to get out of the house.
0: There's a very clear lane to the door, but Joseph is nowhere to be found until he goes to the door. And then there's Joseph (coughs) in the mask, in the creepy mask, uh, thrusting his hips. Yes. (laughs) And he's like, are you trying, are you trying to scare me? And he just nods. And I'm like, oh, this is, yeah,
2: yeah. And then like, but we won't give away the final act, but the the, the last act of the movie.
0: Give it away. Let's, it's fine to spoil stuff because I think you should, these movies are 70 minutes long. Like it's not a big commitment. Go watch it before this point. Go, go watch it right now and then come back.
2: So the last act when they have a, uh, like, uh, so I like, and you guys kind of mentioned this. Um, a big thing that bothers me with a lot of found footage movies is they don't give a reason why anyone would be filming. This gives a reason why someone's filming. In the beginning, he's being paid to film. But at the end, you get the sense that like Aaron is keeping the camera on because he wants proof for when he has to go to the cops mm-hmm. with this stalker who's like messing with his life. And you have those scenes where it's like the camera picks something up that he doesn't or the DVD or the yeah, the DVDs that I uh, that um Joseph keeps sending to uh Aaron,
1: yeah, over and, and over unsettling
0: oh yeah when he's like he uh with the with the little wolf doll and the yes. the necklace and stuff and uh all that yeah it's um and you think you think Aaron got aw- away too you're like oh he got away it's gonna be all right but uh he just got sucked back in again you know he just keeps getting sucked back in by uh by Joseph and then uh, when Joseph calls him on it you
2: you were filming you knew why did you sit there with your back to the <laughs> when he's basically like talking shit um, about Aaron messing that up and like putting himself in a position to be murdered he's like you just wanted to be killed."
0: and then the the second movie what I like is that it feels like he met his match you know what I mean like someone who is weird and interesting and like puts up with his stuff for a legitimate reason but like also kind of is able to almost out weird him in a way right like he tries to make her uncomfortable by doing creepy stuff and then she's just like the hot, tub the, scene? the hot tub scene, the, when she, when they took off their clothes, when, yes. when she, when she tapes up her face to scare him, like she, she <laughs> yeah. like is able to one up him at every impasse. And like, I think like, in a way, one, you know, one of the creepiest things about the second creep two, is that he goes by Aaron in that movie. Yes. Like that, that was like, I was like, Oh my God, that's, I don't like that because that I was, just, uh, subtle uh, thing. I just watched creep one. And also he has a man also who has like a ponytail and like, that's creepy. <laughs> uh (laughs) but they 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 up his creep look yeah they up the creep look Um, uh they also get straight into it because they're like okay you saw the first
2: movie so we aren't gonna pull the same trick a second time they go like they immediately have the ending of the kill scene with mm -hmm. uh the guy that you don't see most of it from and then it goes into him having a serial killer midlife crisis
0: yeah. He's just
2: such an amazing premise.
0: Yeah, he he murders Pinder from Deadpool like in the first minute of the movie. Uh, <laughs> and then he, and then he's like and then it's a uh, yeah, it's on from there. Uh, it's all Sarah. And I think um and then the, the end, the ending with the where, with the they set up that song, the the what's the name of the wolf again? Uh, peach fuzz. Peach fuzz. The the peach they set up that peach fuzz song in the first movie and then he starts whistling it in the second movie and kind of <laughs> singing it. Words and and then at the end of the movie they they don't even show him but they just show he's filming her and he's whistling and it's like they, and you know. then you get her noticing
2: him right at the end.
0: Yeah, Bryce and Duplass are working on a third creep. They said they wouldn't make it unless they had a really good idea for what to do, and apparently they do because they're they are putting it into production.
2: I mean, I'll watch it. It's yeah. like, it's an under 90 minute commitment for a pretty good experience
1: every time.
0: And he said that he, he believes that this will be the end of a trilogy. He does not think he'll make another creep. So.
1: I that's I, a, are, I felt they kind of like topped out at creep two, but the, you know, they, they leave it open.
0: Uh, see, Duplass actually it. thinks Duplass thinks creep one is better than creep two, but I actually agree with you. I think creep two is slightly better. It's, um, it's just, a uh, it. They 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 ramped it up enough, but then added a nice wrinkle with the Sarah Let's character. That. I thought Sarah was really good. I'm actually
1: that's not what I'm saying. I I prefer Creep One to Creep Two. Um, oh, silly. okay. Yeah, it's just uh, I like what they did. It's a totally different movie. It it creeps me out as opposed to being creepy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So uh, I I like it though. Um, uh, who? Kevin. Cre- Kevin. Break the tie. Creep two or creep one? Yeah. I gave it three and a half out
2: of five. I gave him the identical uh, rating and it's because creep two doesn't work without creep one, but creep two, like when creep one ended, I was like, I don't really know what you'd even do with this character. That would be interesting. And so then creep two happens. and I'm like, Oh, you basically just completely capitalize on the fact that we know everything from creep one and like take it to a completely different place. And so that actually is what gets me excited about creep three is I couldn't think of what you would do with creep three. They wouldn't just be kind of a really basic, like now it's him stalking her. Mm-hmm. And creep two gave me gives me a lot of faith. That it'll be something even more interesting than that. So I don't have a preference between the two. Sorry. uh so this is uh, they're the Eagles and now is a tie.
0: So my favorite my favorite as always I find a few poll quotes from reviews that I really love uh, to, to share with everyone. So, Kevin, you ready for these? Ready. Um this is anti-furry propaganda, and I'm all for it. Yes, I love that one. Um, tubby time. Just that. That's it. Just t- <laughs> tubby time.
2: Dude, the tubby time thing was so creepy.
0: It was definitely creepy. Uh, this movie is just a warning against white guys with ponytails.
2: That's just accurate.
0: Yeah. He really asked himself what Francis Ford Coppola would do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. He sure was a creep, which I agree with. So um, like I said, I think it's a good movie. I would recommend it to anyone who likes like uh, the thing about the creep, the creep and creep too, that I really think is good is if you're a person who's like squeamish about, uh, you cool. know, horror in general, this is a wa- a movie you could easily watch and uh, totally enjoy. And it's not going to like scar you for life.
2: Unless you cannot do jump scares. If you're somebody who cannot do jump scares, this has a bunch of jump scares they are really st- dumb, dumb fears. They're but- stupid. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. if you're one of those people who just hates the heart rate thing, then like sorry, take a pass on this one.
1: Yeah.
0: So, all right. Well, Eric, any last words about Creep? Uh our- no.
1: Go see it. Like the, like we've said, it's short. They're both short. They're both on Netflix, too. Go watch all it. Right. For,
0: for Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.